If you'd like to earn CPE credit for listening to this episode, visit earmarkcpe.com. Download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. Continuing education has never been so easy. And now, on to the episode. A big thank you to our sponsor, Avalara. Avalara's award-winning tax automation solutions help accounting practitioners and businesses of all sizes simplify sales tax compliance with real-time rates, automated return filing, and more. Listen for a special offer later in the show. This is Oh My Fraud, a true crime podcast where a rug pull might be when a hacker takes off with all your money or when an accountant's toupee is snatched off his head. I'm Caleb Newquist. And I am the very bald Greg Kite. Greg, I have a I have a serious question for you. Yeah. Are you a crypto guy? Like, do you own any crypto? Do you stay up all night reading about crypto and then tweeting about crypto? No, I, I am oh. absolutely not a crypto guy. I don't know. I, I know enough about crypto to know what it is, but I am not invested in crypto because I don't want to stay up all night being like, am I insanely rich or did I just waste all or did I just flush all my money down the damn toilet? That's yeah. why I'm out of crypto. So how well, like, it sounds like you got some awareness of it. Do you feel like you got your head around crypto, blockchain, you know, blockchain's like the underlying technology that makes cryptocurrency possible, right? And we've done a we did a webinar once about blockchain. Do you feel like you kind of got your head around that? Again, I, I feel like I know just enough to not to not condemn myself as being a dumb shit. But mm. uh, but I also totally understand that there's a lot that I don't know, and I, I don't know if I'm embarrassed about this or if I'm proud about this. But a lot of my understanding of crypto comes from an episode of The Simpsons called Frank Coin, where Professor Frank develops his own cryptocurrency. And in the middle of that episode, they play a YouTube, like Lisa plays a YouTube video on her laptop that's Jim Parsons from The Big Bang Theory explaining yeah. cryptocurrency. And it is legit one of the most succinct and understandable explanations of both cryptocurrency and the blockchain that I have found. And like I said, not sure if that's if I'm proud of that or embarrassed of that, but that helped open my eyes. Leave it to the Simpsons, honestly. True. It's a national treasure. All right. Final question. Have you heard of non-fungible tokens, aka NFTs? I have heard of non-fungible tokens, a.k.a. NFTs, Caleb Newquist. And in fact, my, I have a monthly comedy show called Comedy Church, and it's like literally right now being looked at by an NFT company. It's a, a company that all they do is create and I guess sell NFTs, and they're developing their own studio, like an in-house studio, to mm. create original content that then they will sell to... NFT traders, investors, I don't I don't exactly know that side of it. All I know is that they're creating a studio and they might make my live show into some sort of recorded show. So in the near future, not only do I know what NFTs are, I might be an NFT. Wow, that's fancy. So have you learned anything in this whole kind of mishmash of NFT talk or is it kind of like, uh-huh, uh-huh? 
yeah, nodding and, and, and agree, agreeable like sounds. It's nodding and agreeable sounds. I have learned nothing new about NFTs from this because it's basically, I understand that they want to create content and I understand that I have content and then I just understand that there's uh, nerds who perform blockchain voodoo in some back room and I don't have to understand how they create the blockchain NFT nerd voodoo. I just know that they might be making me make make my dreams come true. All right. Well, I have good news for you. Yeah. This episode is going to be about NFTs. Specifically, this is still a fraud program, ladies and gentlemen. It will be about NFT frauds, but we will go over non-fungible tokens. We'll try to do our best to explain it. But anyway, it's a very interesting area that a lot of people are into right now and because lots of people are into it and there's lots of money kind of floating around it is the perfect target for fraud so caleb what does nft stand for nft and I mentioned it maybe in the first segment, but NFT stands for non-fungible token. Awesome. And that is possibly the most unhelpful uh, name imaginable because to the uninitiated, that's just uh, strange words that are strung together. Yeah. So Caleb, what is an NFT? What does NFT mean? Yeah. Okay. So we'll take it one piece at a time. Make it super simple. Non is not. Okay. Fungible is able to be substituted for something of equal value or utility. So non-fungible means it is not able to be substituted for something of equal value or utility. And a token in this context, at least my understanding of it and the way I think about it is it's kind of like a digital voucher, right? So the non-fungible aspect is it's one of a kind, just for the sake of argument, to keep it super simple, one of a kind, irreplaceable. And the token is kind of this voucher that can think of it as a receipt or just a, maybe a certificate of authenticity. So in essence, a non-fungible token is a one of a kind, irreplaceable digital certificate of authenticity. Okay. So from what I do know about NFTs, is it crypto? Is NFTs crypto? Answer that question. The best way to answer that is to say yes and no. It's crypto in the sense that it's a cryptographic asset, but it isn't crypto in the context that I think many people think about when they th when they hear crypto. Usually when people think when they hear crypto, they think cryptocurrency. NFTs are not cryptocurrency. Okay, so quick follow-up question, Caleb mm. Newquist. Yes. Is it crypto? Yes, essentially, yes. Okay, good. But Thanks not crypto. For, Thanks for not beating around the bush this yeah, time. Yeah, but not crypto like what most people think about when they think about crypto, okay. which is cryptocurrency. Okay, so then a uh, follow-up question. What the fuck is an NFT? <laughs> and how, do, I, how, does it, how does it? it? No, oh, I mean, God you're trying You're trying to, but, right. uh, but you failed. How does all it right, work? All right, all right. Okay, okay, well. 
we'll keep we'll keep going down this road. Right. Okay, so I mean, if you can't do it, I'm going to get Jim Parsons on this on this episode. Yeah, we just pull up the YouTube him. video. Yeah, yeah. That, might be, that might actually make for a better <laughs> podcast. Everyone, all of our listeners, just uh, they're like, yes, unsubscribe from this and turned on the Simpsons. <laughs> get on, get Parsons. Okay, give it a shot. So NFTs are part of the Ethereum blockchain. So Ethereum is the second largest cryptocurrency out there. Ether is technically the cryptocurrency, but it's on the Ethereum blockchain. F- NFTs are in the Ethereum blockchain. And it, this allows, the blockchain allows for all of the benefits of using that technology. For example, you know, getting rid of inter- intermediaries so artists can sell their work directly to fans rather than through an auction house or a gallery. Blockchain also allows for better security and identification and certification. In other words, the immutability of the blockchain technology is what makes it so attractive. Like it can't be changed, right? So if something is bought or sold, it's like done. There's no, what's the thing that we said when we were a kid? No backsies or whatever. Like (laughs) Right. You know, no, that happens. And right. so, and that's very, you can't, you can't, you can't control X, what you just did. Right. So these non-fungible tokens can be bought, sold and traded on, you know, this Ethereum blockchain. And that occurs. The most popular platform for NFTs is called OpenSea. So I just want to make sure, do you think, d- did I explain it a little better or a little bit more or a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, okay. I, I think I think you did. And again, and and we, I guess we haven't said this yet to the listeners, but yes. you and I came into today's podcast knowing that there's no chance in the world that we are going to do a completely thorough explanation of crypto, of blockchain, of yeah. NFTs. Yeah, we're, we're not going to be able it's to. It's an do hour that. long podcast, folks. Okay, right. we're gonna we're doing our best here. Right. And there's douchebags out there that you don't like to get stuck next to in the lunchroom who are probably losing their goddamn minds at us going, these stupid assholes don't know anything about crypto or NFTs. I can't wait I'll to read their you. emails. Yeah, they're yelling. They're If they're listening, they're yelling at their computer at how incomplete our explanations are. And we acknowledge that to those people yelling at their computers right now. So, yeah. but but yeah, I think I think that does that does fill it out. Avalara helps businesses of all sizes get indirect tax compliance right. Our sales tax solutions help you manage sales and use tax complexities while lessening risk for your business and clients. Whether you are a small business or a global enterprise, Avalara can help you deliver tax compliance services confidently and efficiently. Over 30,000 organizations across the globe use Avalara's cloud-based compliance solutions to solve transaction tax compliance needs, including sales and use, VAT, and other indirect and direct taxes. In October 2021, IDC MarketScape named Avalara a leader in tax automation in three categories, small and mid-sized business, enterprise, and VAT. If you're considering tax automation, check out the independent IDC evaluations at omf.show slash Avalara. And later, we'll be telling you about a special offer for anyone who wants to learn more. I'll give you a quick example. The, the thing that kind of put NFTs on the map, at least that I think of, 
was the sale of this collage of digital artwork by this artist known as Beeple. <laughs> right. His real name is Mike Winkleman. Which is why he goes by the name Beeple. Yeah, that's why, yeah. I mean. You can't, you can't take Winkleman, Winkleman seriously. Right. So Beeple, although, far, although far, far more credible. I've looked at his collage and it's weird as it's, fuck. It's super. And it's, it's, some, it's great. Yeah. I, think his art is, I think his art is great. Really? Super, it's, it's super out it's, there. It's a little too disturbing for me. Yeah. Anyway, if you if you go out and read about this guy, he had this relatively popular Instagram account. Long story short, he started making money selling NFTs. And eventually he, he had done this project where he was doing daily drawings and posting them on his Instagram account. And the NFT, so essentially they, they he created this collage of NFTs and the work is called Every Day is the First 5,000 Days. And it sold... It sold at auction. Christie's did this auction. It sold for $69 million. Unbelievable. $69 million. Unbelievable. And and he's got all kinds of other work out there. And so, you know, to the extent, and again, there's probably, you know, crypto bros out there that are going to correct every aspect of this story that we were talking about. But like, that's the thing that I think that really put NFTs on the map was this, was, was the artist Beeple. Yeah. People. It's like, it's like when we're, when we're talking about Ponzi schemes, Bernie Madoff put Ponzi schemes kind of in the, the mind of the yeah. average Joe and Winkleman with his every day's collage for 69 million is what really brought the attention of the media, the mass media to, to, to NFTs and yep. made people go, Oh my gosh, that's weird. It, you're buying, you're buying nothing because you don't have anything when you, what do you, Caleb, what do you have when you have an NFT? I think what you have is it's a receipt in, in my research. Well, yes. So from a, like from a practical matter, you own the token, right? But I think in a slightly different context, you know what you have bragging rights. So yeah. we're going to, so we're going to talk about some of these, some of these NFTs in a little bit, but like it, no joke, the speculative nature and kind of the, the visibility of these things that is what people are chasing. I'm not, I'm not fucking kidding. So I, right. I, well, I in a sense, I, so in a sense, I agree with you. It is a, a lot of it is bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because everything that I see is I'm saying it's a hundred percent bullshit. It may all be bullshit, but you know, there's also, but people have been saying about this, about art, the art world for years. They're like, like, why is a toilet art or whatever the case may be, or, okay. or the cow and formaldehyde or whatever it is, like, take your pick. Like, you always have these skeptical people who are like, that's not art or this isn't art or whatever. It's like, it is art because of intention and because someone paid money for it. Right. right? And, and so that if there's a market, that means it has value. I know that all value is subjective. So if there's some... 28 year old with way too much money who has a flat brim baseball hat who is like i want to spend all the money for the original i i don't know for well for like jack dorsey's first tweet, first tweet right and then 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 if he thinks that's valuable it's valuable and if he's willing to put money behind that then he values it more than however much money he just traded for it so that is true and i feel like i talked myself through it where it's like I know for me, if I had the original painting and can look at it and go, wow, this master artist actually touched this with his hands, that makes me feel extra special. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have the same connection at this point to a non-fungible token. I can't 
quite imagine having that same reaction to it, but I also understand I'm not all people. And like we said, value is subjective. There are people out there who must have that same kind of feeling about owning the NFT for something like that. So right. I and think using it, using it as their Twitter avatar. Yeah. Or just keeping it in their crypto wallet and feeling awesome that their crypto wallet is big and fat with NFTs. Okay. Right. Matt Levine, who's a Bloomberg, Bloomberg columnist, he, he did an interview with Morning Brew and it really kind of made it clear for me. And I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but essentially all this digital nonsense right? The crypto punks, the board ape yacht club, crypto kitties, all that shit is just a way for us to figure out how all this works, right? And how it can be best executed and be secure. And so a couple things. First off, I also did read that interview with Matt Levine. My biggest takeaway from that entire interview is at the end of it, he says, and yeah, I a hundred percent would not buy any nfts he was very adamant that he was like hell no i'm not buying nfts right uh similar to kanye west who also just uh put this on his twitter account that says my focus is on building real products in the real world real food real clothes real shelter do not ask me to do a fucking nft and then after that he, a little ways down on the note, he says, ask me later. So, so, but I think that's the same sentiment that Matt Levine had is this yeah. like, not, not right now, but I'm not writing it off completely, yeah, but I, right it, now, no. Yeah. Like I think essentially what Levine said in that interview was someone says, would you buy an NFT? And he's like, yeah, I think intellectually, yes, it's called a house. Like I would buy a house. Right. But like the, the hijinks that are going on now, no. Yeah. No. Right. Okay. So then next question, in your opinion, yes. are, are NFTs a fad? Because they seem popular just because they're all over the place, but I don't know any, but well, I do. I mean, I know that company that's trying to cash in on NFTs through my comedy show, Comedy Church, buy it soon as an NFT yourself, I'm hoping. But in reality, how popular are these things? And it's all going away like next week, like before this episode actually gets released, NFTs are going to be a thing of the past. Yeah, right? it'll, be, it'll totally be the house of cards. This well, will be this will be a pointless, archaic it, podcast. It'll be, the, it'll be the when, of, when it drops. The bubble of all bubbles, right? Right. Um, okay, so this is an accounting show. I mean, there's not accountants listening, we hope, but like we know there's lots of accountants listening. So let, we'll start with numbers. How about that? Sounds good. Great. Okay, so according to a recent Thomson Reuters report, the market for NFTs in 2020 was about $95 million. In 2021, any guesses, Greg, to what the market for NFTs? Uh, it was 95, $95 million in 2020? $95 million in 2020. Is it, was it $96 million in 2021? Slightly higher. $24.9 billion. <laughs> billion? Billion. That's... You're that's, the math You're the math guy, so what? I don't know what that year-over-year year growth is, but it's... That's, that's that, is that does that technically meet the definition of exponential? Uh, yeah, no, that would act, th there's no way it couldn't unless it could have started at a negative. <laughs> it's got to be an exponential growth pattern. So, forgetting numbers for a minute because this is a show where we talk our asses off. I can totally understand why someone would think when they hear about NFTs in the news. Yeah, it's 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 some fad, you know. Especially like when you see like Jimmy Fallon talking about his board eight ape yacht club. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think one day people will look back on that and 
it will be very, it will seem very silly. It will be very, people will be like, Oh, remember, remember those? And right. Yeah, I do. Right. I do remember those, but I mean, and who knows? Like, and, and I would like to say the the board eight, the board ape yacht club. Yeah. That's, uh, in my mind, because and for those of you who don't know, there's someone somewhere who came up with ten thousand like head uh, like it cartoon. Four, it was four guys. It was four uh, guys. Yeah, and it's like cartoon headshots of apes in different clothes and with different kind of yes. uh, fur and maybe different facial expressions. Ten thousand yeah. and no more. Some of more, them are no smoking. Less. Some of them are yeah. eating pizza. But, but yeah, it's, it's all just, very weird. It's just like it's like like I said, it's just a cartoon picture of a ape's head. And and Jimmy Fallon bought one for two hundred thousand dollars. I, I want to say I saw somebody bought one for like one point three million dollars. Yep. And maybe Eminem, that wasn't even Eminem was bought his? one for a few. Okay. No, his wasn't a million, but he bought he bought one that was supposed to be him. Like he bought oh. it because the art the, the person who created it said, "Oh, this oh I, I, they they create it was inspired by Eminem." Okay. And Eminem went and bought it and spent like three three hundred grand or something. Gotcha. Yeah. So if I if I create digital art that looks like Kanye West, then maybe Kanye West will go back on his word and actually buy an NFT. That's my new get rich quick scheme. I, I think board eight board ape yacht club stuff. I think that's the beanie babies of our generation. But NFTs like other applications of NFTs are going to be around for the foreseeable future. But I, I'm hoping that we finally got enough just like groundwork laid about yep. what F- NFTs are and how they work that we can act. Cause this, I don't know if you knew this, Caleb, but this podcast is a fraud podcast. So how does fraud, how has fraud creep crept into the NFT world? Hold the fucking phone. This is a fraud podcast. It is. It's, it's not a crypto podcast. This oh. is a fraud podcast, man. If it was a crypto prod- podcast, would we be a top 1% podcast? I think we easily, would easily. We picked the wrong topic. All right. Did you know that 52% of accounting practitioners, large and small, still rely on spreadsheets and manual processes for sales tax compliance? Why not move your accounting practice to the 21st century using Avalara for Accountants? The Avalara for Accountants compliance automation platform helps accounting service providers grow their client base with sales tax prep and filing, business license management, and more. And Avalara Managed Returns for Accountants was recognized as a best product in 2021 through CPA Practice Advisors Technology Innovation Awards. Want to learn more? Well, stick around because later in the show, we're going to tell you about a special offer. All right, Caleb. So I think we've laid plenty of groundwork about what NFTs are and how they work. But I don't know if you knew this, but this is not a crypto podcast. This is a fraud podcast. So oh. Caleb, the, the yeah, s- shocking. But so now's the point where we need to finally turn the corner and you got to tell me how does fraud find its way into the NFT markets and the NFT world? Okay, I, I will do my best. I've, I found some good stories. They're very fraudy. Good, but it makes sense, right? Because this is kind of this nascent, speculative, lucrative, and probably most importantly, unregulated mm. area. And so, fraudsters are like, "Yeah, I want some of that." 
Yeah, like, that, that makes yeah. sense. They're going, this is an this is new. People don't know what the hell's going on. So I'll go right. in and trick some people out of the money right now. Right. And I also think because the decentralized nature of blockchains and things like that, there's less interference. In one of these stories, I'll give you an example. But first right we'll mention, we've mentioned it a couple of times, uh, the Bored Ape Yacht Club, right? Yes. Greg, yeah. you you kind of you you gave the lowdown of that earlier, but it's it's these there's like ten thousand NFTs. There were these four guys. They came up with these ten thousand drawings of apes in various costumes, various colors, and and they are uh, apparently you know uh, uh, affluent, but very very bored. So kind of you know and 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 they're not they're nice they're nice drawings. They're nice images. Like yeah, you look at them and they're funny and they're clever and whatever. But apparently they're also very valuable. And uh, a collector of these Bored Ape Yacht Club NFTs, a guy by the name of Todd Kramer, had about 2.2 million of them stolen. Uh, 2.2 million dollars worth? Yes. He had multiple NFTs of the the Bored Ape Yacht Club. Uh, And it all happened, Greg. Guess how it happened. Guess how Guess how this happened to poor Todd. Uh, I don't know. He was walking down the street. Somebody jumped him, and they pulled his crypto wallet out of the cloud and yanked $2.2 million of Bored Ape Yacht Club pictures out of the ether and ran down the alley. Uh, and that's how Batman, that's when Todd Kramer became Batman. No, uh, he clicked on a phishing link. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, so it was just, he's a dumbass. He just clicked on a fishing link. Okay. Yeah. And so here's where it gets controversial a little bit with this particular fraud. So this guy, he, he tweeted what happened and, and was, you know, kind of letting people know because what happens when, when these frauds occur, the NFTs get stolen and immediately what the people that stole them, they try to resell them. Right. Right. And pocket the pocket the ether and you know then then they've got the valuable crypto right okay and so so this guy todd kramer he got online and and started saying this is what happened can people help me get him back he eventually went to the platform where they were listed OpenSea. mentioned that earlier in the show this story was was everywhere and so he he got many of them back with OpenSea's help and the fact that OpenSea helped him get some of those nfts back is very it's a controversial aspect of the the crypto nft world because again of this decentralized nature of these marketplaces that intermediaries aren't supposed to interfere in the transactions okay so it's kind of like you know if you read matt levine and his takes on these these things it's kind of like the world of finance in the crypto world is kind of rediscovering all this stuff that that we figured out in the regular finance world where this is why we have intermediaries and this is why we have compliance and that that's all this stuff has happened at one point in time in history when the banking system kind of was growing and matured and like and evolved and like crypto is going through this kind of growing pain things too where Yes, it's decentralized and people like that, but what happens when your shit gets stolen? And that's not right. But also it's like, well, yeah, caveat emptor, you know, like that's kind of the thing okay. that people people like that. But obviously, people also don't like that because they get ripped off and they get and they they lose things that are valuable. And right. so that is one that is one tale of the board eight yacht club <laughs> fraud. But but before we get too far afield of that one, you're trying to tell me that crypto bros got butt hurt 
not that he got his stuff stolen, but that somebody was like a playground teacher and made the bad guys give the stolen stuff back. They're like going, weak sauce, man. You, if you, you know, they're fully victim blaming in the crypto world and going, you should, you clicked on the phishing link like a dumbass. So you deserve to get your stuff stolen and no yeah. one should get it back to you because we want pure crypto land. We don't want this diluted, low alcohol content kind of crypto world. Is that is that uh, kind of what? Essentially, yes. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. They they Weird. want they want their crypto land pure. Right. So if I if I legitimately steal your crypto, right on. You did it. You're yeah. you're a you're gangster. You're like Bonnie yeah, and Clyde. You yeah. you're like Isn't Bonnie that crazy? No, but I think and it's funny. We're joking around, but I don't think we're joking around. Uh no. Okay. Oh no. Cool. All right. Next yeah. story. Okay. So this is another board ape. Yacht Club. That's really hard to say. Have you know? It's like, really hard to say. Board Ape. Board Ape. Yeah. Board Ape. Board Ape Yacht Club. You got it. Another collector of NFTs, a guy by the name of Calvin, might be butchering this, Becerra, was trying to sell some NFTs, some Board Ape Yacht Club NFTs, when hackers tricked him into handing them over. <laughs> Just... Just gave just, it to him. Kind of because kinda he like, was having yeah. So the, the the detail is that he was having problems with his his wallet, with his blockchain wallet, uh-huh. and he somehow just handed him over without a transaction taking right. place. When you say that, I I picture like children with their uh, baseball trading cards and. And the Eddie Haskell of the group was like, hey, can I see your Mickey Mantle? And then the nerd hands it to him and he goes, psych, and runs down the street. And that's how he tricked him into giving his NFT over to the hackers. Yes, that, 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 is, that is the NFT version of that. Okay, yeah. right on. So right. the value of these uh, NFTs were reportedly over a million dollars. Jeez. They posed as interested buyers and, in a Discord channel. And they pretended to help him fix this problem with his wallet. And then they deceived him into choosing, you know, making a bad choice. And they blew out of there, you know, with the NFTs. Right. Crazy. And yeah. then did they, did, did they get any of those back? From what I, what I was able to find, he got one of them back, according to a Vice article that we, we have in the show notes about this story. OpenSea, the, the main NFT platform, they delisted these stolen NFTs, these stolen Board Eight Yacht Club. See, it's hard to say. Yeah, Board Eight so Yacht Club. Board Eight Yacht Club. OpenSea delisted them, but there was another peer-to-peer marketplace called NFT Tracker that took no action. The, so, kind of like you got them stolen legit; they're not yours yeah, anymore. But finders, finders keepers. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. It's hardcore, man. Hardcore. Yeah. And and actually, Caleb, right now is a, an interesting point to bring this up. We took a yeah. we took a little break that the listeners have no idea about. You mentioned uh, Discord, and our while we while we've been taping this episode, our producer Zach he actually got a text from one of his nerd friends who does uh, <laughs> NFT stuff or crypto stuff. Maybe some dabbling. Tell it like literally this happened while like in real time while we were doing this episode. So, Zach, welcome to the show that you're in the background of all the time. Tell us what happened. Yeah, I'd like to tell the story. So, while we were filming, my friend mentioned that one of the discords he belongs to, because, you know, he's a, he dabbles in the collection of NFTs, and he belongs to a few different discord channels for them. One of them was hacked, and they tried to get people to mint an already created NFT. 
And if you don't know what minting means, I don't know if did you guys, I don't think you've talked about it. Nope. Minting is when you're the first person to like create the NFT of it. So you pretended that this art was new. It was a new NFT project, but it already existed and already was like a real thing. So, you know, stealing someone else's art basically is what this was. Yeah. And he made, it was a legit person who like runs the discord. So he hacked his account, which makes mm. it seem like, oh, this, he always mm. gives advice. So this is a great buy. Everyone get in now. It's like a low, low value. You know, it's going to be great. Right. High, va- or high value. Sorry. Yeah. It's going to, you know, low cost right now. Yeah. Bottom floor. You're exactly. getting in, getting in cheap and early. Yes. It seems like, unfortunately, some people fell for it. My friend, luckily, did not. Oh. But he says that some people definitely bought it. Right. And and real quick, just correct me if I'm wrong, but Discord is a, it's like a super focused Reddit that has different topics that it covers everything from cyberbullying, video game players, to pornography trading, to, to NFTs, right? It's... It's the three the three main food groups of the of the internet. Exactly. Yeah, you cover the big ones. Yeah. Okay. And you can even charge people charge people for memberships to some of the specific channels, and uh, it gets intense. Gotcha. So yeah. So and so interesting that completely different kind of fraud than even what we were talking about about people just stealing other people's NFT, people creating fraudulent NFTs. Yes, exactly. And getting people to invest. Uh, in something that they can't really support. Yes. All right. Well, you guys get back to it. I'm going to dip out of here, but thanks for having me on for a second. Yeah. 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 Thanks for thanks, telling Zach. us the story. Cause that's, if nothing else, that, that, that supports what we've been saying, Caleb, that this is an actual thing that's happening a lot uh, right now. Cause NFTs are a big damn deal. Yeah. And also that was our first breaking news event. <laughs> Right, exactly. But it won't really matter because it's going to air in the future. So whatever. Right, right. Okay. Am I, am so, I blowing? Am I am I blowing this? I don't know. Anyway, you want some more? No. You want some more no. NFT fraud? Let's get some more NFT fraud. Caleb, tell yes, us about sir. another. Tell us another story of NFT fraud. Here's here's a good one. There was a fake Banksy. Are you familiar with Banksy, Greg? Uh, yes, he's like a guerrilla artist in New York City. I think primarily. Mm, no, he's from he's from the UK. Uh, oh, from, okay. from, from, so I don't know anything. Yeah. But his identity is unknown. No one knows who he is. Okay. Uh, even the people who work for him, if I understand it correctly, the way he kind of arranges things, even the people who work for him do not know his identity. But he's a street artist, yes, from Bristol, okay. UK. Uh, I used to travel to Bristol quite a bit. I've seen many original Banksy's, actually. Nice. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Anyway, so, but he's he's a very well-known artist and his art sells for millions of dollars. But a fake Banksy NFT was auctioned on his website. The unnamed collector, well, they have an online name, which is Pranksy. They offered clever. Yes. Very. They offered 90% more than the other bidders. And that bid was immediately accepted for approximately $336,000, according to the BBC article. Okay. When that happened, the guy who made the bid, <laughs> he, he immediately thought that it was probably fake. Oh, so it's like, so it was kind of like, so my bid is $336,000 instead of the auctioneer going, we've got 336000 We got the, yeah. do we have 337000 They were just like, sold, closed. Sold. Exactly. And that, and that was exactly it. what happened. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly gotcha. what happened. And he was like, that was weird. Maybe uh, weird. this is bullshit. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And so, but so, hey. The twist that you didn't see coming is that he got 
his money back. He got the he got the three hundred thirty seven. He got he got the, yeah he got it mostly back, and he speculated because he was a rel, he was relatively he was relatively well known in this kind of area. I don't know if it was Banksy's never done an NFT, and so like if you read that NBC oh. article, the the Banksy people said Banksy's never done an NFT. This was uh, fraudulent. It was a it was a hack okay. of our website, but because this collector was relative had some had some notoriety and he went to the press and he was able to track down the thief he was able to you know kind of the not only is there voodoo blockchain but but there's instead of paper trail there's there's blockchain trail like you can follow the money wherever it goes right 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 if it's a like like we were saying if it's a public blockchain yep you know who stole your shit right and so along with all that the hacker returned its money, uh, returned this collector's money, the exception of like uh, a 5,000 pound transaction fee. Okay. So, so, yeah. So he kept the shipping and handling, but he gave back the. <laughs> yep. Okay. Exactly nice. right. Yeah. Interesting. But again, that was through. So that wasn't a phishing thing. Somebody had, or uh, who knows, maybe it even did start with a phishing thing, but somehow someone gained control if, of Banksy's actual site. If I and, remember right, again, it, it, in, uh, I, I, I might be re- remembering the story wrong, but it started in a Discord channel where said, somebody said, oh. oh, there's a Banksy NFT for auction on the website. Uh, People started going over there, started bidding it up. This guy bids it up 90% and the guy on the other end was like, uh, done. <laughs> and, and the auction ended and yeah, that's how it happened. Crazy. Might have to fact check me on that. Listeners. <laughs> it's, I don't remember. Well, so, Sorry, someone I mean, exactly so, started in a discord channel, but someone will. And if that someone will please send us an email, we'll, we'd love to read we'd your love, email. I'd, I'd love to delete it actually. <laughs> and then, Okay. Tell, I think, yep. do you have one more? Or I have two one more. more. One I have more. one more and then uh, just a couple of uh, other things that I'll mention. There, there's another one, Evolved Apes. Okay. Another, uh, another like 10,000 token uh, project. This okay. one is what they call as a rug pull when the developers just take the money and run. Oh, right, uh, right. Yep. And in this case, the developer of a project... And, and projects, these projects are kind of like, they do the art first, right? And then it with kind of these promises of like either a, a film or a comic book or some kind of immersive metaverse kind of thing, that's kind of the promise of these projects, right? And this one was called Evolved Apes. And the person pulling the rug had sole control over the blockchain wallet. Okay. Project. And so they they he attra- they attracted all these investors. They committed like two point seven million dollars, and the developer who went by the name, not kidding, Evil Ape, okay, took all the money and bolted. Just thanks for your seed money, and I'm gone. See ya. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And that- <laughs> so the the vice the vice article that I read for this one was the investors in Evolved Apes have started a new project called Fight Back Apes, and they will fight as a community against our nemesis, Evil Ape. So Which, that sounds that sounds hey. just like impotent rage. Like people are yes. just really upset and they're like, we're gonna make a community to find this completely anonymous person on the internet. Right. So yeah. Right. And it's interesting because that actually that tactic happens in the real world too, in episode two of our podcast, when we were talking about Mutual Benefits Corporation, the founder of Mutual Benefits, before he did his Ponzi scheme, he had another 
operation where he was purportedly buying groceries from Puerto Rico, bringing them to the United States and selling them for cheap. And same thing, he had investors in that, and all of a sudden, he disappeared. Peace out. The offices disappeared, and they went away. So this is like the digital version of that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What, what, what else? You, what, you got a couple of the little factoids, right? These are minor. So there, there's a pretty good Thomson Reuters article about just the, the, the kind of the pervasiveness of NFT fraud right now. And one example was this artist, his name was Dan Howard. He died in 2019. People just started tokenizing his work and put it on OpenSea without his family's knowledge. Okay. And like so, his family, his family has been like trying to contact OpenSea and like they've, they've, they've succeeded in getting some of the stuff pulled, but essentially, um, you know, people have been able just to steal his work and, you know, it belongs to his estate. Right. And right. But people have been able to tokenize his work and are selling it on OpenSea. So they're basically tokenizing copyrighted artworks and mm-hmm. they don't have the right of a dead, to do of a that. Dead, of a dead person. Of yeah. a dead guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, you, you like <laughs> he, he was a digital artist, right? And so a lot of stuff was posted online. But okay. It's it's no different than if it was art hanging on the wall, like it right. belongs to his heirs, right? And okay. so yeah. that's, that's what's going on there. Interesting. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Okay. And then the other thing that I would mention is, you know, talking about just how widespread is is NFT fraud right now. And, and at least in the art world, I think this is where it's, it's most, again, where because the basis for a lot of the activity is digital artwork or artwork of some kind, sometimes videos and other things. But uh, DeviantArt, which is an online community and platform, I think, uh, where artists post their work, they have flagged 90,000 potential fake nfts only 90, only 90,000 only 90,000 just a just a meager yeah. 90,000 works of art and something tells me that might be a rough count uh, yeah that's well and well especially if it's just deviant art because there's other right. places there's, there's other, other places online. where artists post their stuff right exactly yeah. yes, exactly right. crazy Do your clients need help with sales tax automation? Well, Avalara can help your accounting practice start or grow an existing tax compliance practice while you gain efficiencies and reduce risk for you and for your clients. Learn more about Avalara for accountants and you'll get a free gift. All you have to do is meet with an expert to explore how Avalara can help your accounting practice grow and you'll receive a $50 gift card. Contact Avalara at accountants at avalara.com and mention the code fraud. Okay, Greg, have we learned anything? Yeah. Have we? Yeah, oh, I, okay. Okay. I've learned, I, I'm going to say I learned a lot. Oh, okay. Okay, good. So then in what ways do NFTs remind you of other areas where, where frauds are highly visible? Like what, what are, what are some things that we can bestow upon our audience in terms of lessons well the first thing that comes to mind that actually relates precisely to what you just said is that the blockchain especially like we've said a public blockchain is very very highly visible has high levels of transparency and the knee-jerk reaction for i think those of us in the accounting profession is that the high level of transparency is going to prevent the theft when in fact, 
the high levels of transparency within the blockchain might actually make the theft irreversible. Like we were talking about with the guy who got fished out of his private key to his crypto wallet and got his board ape yacht club tokens stolen from him. That was because of the way the blockchain is set up and Mm. because of its public nature and because of the consensus that's needed to lock the blockchain in place that can make it so that once you're stuff is stolen you can't get it back because it's immutably in the blockchain right in someone else's possession but that being the case like we said about the pranksy one is that there is so much transparency and you kind of you explained how these thefts work where you steal it and then you try to dump it as quickly as possible hopefully before people realize that it's a stolen token so that's really if you're if you're listening to this podcast try to figure out how to do nft fraud that's the way to do it but we've seen with some of these cases that the high level of transparency that's in the blockchain and these public blockchains will deter a lot of theft and might even make people who steal your shit give your shit back like what happened to pranksy mm-hmm. and the other thing is uh and kind of along those same line is that obviously nfts can be stolen i think that's a misconception that some people have about the blockchain is that it prevents anything from being stolen. Absolutely not the case. If you've learned nothing from this podcast, realize that NFTs 100% can be stolen, but they're much more difficult. They, they can't really be laundered. It's not like you right. steal. It's not like uh, Breaking Bad where you, you, you sell the, the meth and then you pretend like it's money that came through your car wash. You can't you can, it's it's a non-fungible token. You've got the one thing that is the thing that you stole. So it you can't launder it. And again, fencing it has to be done very quickly or else you're just going to be stuck with it because everybody knows that it's a stolen good. Well, even then, even if you do fence it, right? So like, think about it this way. So if you steal a painting and you fence it, you fence it to a collector who will will probably keep quiet, right? Like that's kind of people who deal in stolen goods, they, they have buyers waiting. Right. 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 Yeah. But in again, because of the, the transparency of the blockchain, you can't really fence anything because where it, wherever it ends up, someone will know where it ends up. They can track it all the way. It isn't like the token can be somehow pulled off the blockchain and like hit in your, your guest room in your basement. Right. It just, yeah, that's not the way it works. So yeah, fencing is nearly impossible. Right, which is an interesting thing too, because I, I've heard stories. I assume most people have heard stories where someone's house gets broken into, and there's an item that gets stolen that winds up at a pawn shop, and then yep. somebody buys it from the pawn shop, and then it gets found that this non fungible, like tangible asset is found in this person who has no idea and it was right. in no way associated with the original robbery, but they have to give back the stolen item because it was a stolen item. So that's the same thing that would have, I would assume that once we figure out jurisdiction and things like that, if Interpol or whoever can enforce laws in crypto world, I love the it. Same thing would happen there. I get real excited when Interpol gets involved. Is it's it? Yeah. It's very exciting. And, Right. And it'd be more like crypto poll. So that's kind of one chunk of what I learned was just blockchain, how it does and doesn't prevent and deter theft. And there's ways that it does and ways that it doesn't. Question. Um, Question before we move on. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. 
mm-hmm. with those things in mind, blockchain net positive or net negative? Uh, I'm saying net positive. Okay. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. So second, second chunk of stuff that I say I learned about NFTs and, fr- and the fraud that goes there with is that basic online security measures, like the basic stuff that we all know, is even more important when you have a $69 million people collage in your NFT wallet. You got it because you've got just so much more at stake, so much more you could lose. So you can't you can't F around with the basic online security stuff. Phishing. That's how the board ape yacht club tokens got stolen. Listen, if you don't already know it, don't click on shit. If you don't, if you're not sure that it's sent from a legit sender. So, I mean, that's, that's stuff we all know, but it's weird because even people who hundred percent know that, like, I've got to assume most crypto people are who dabble in this have to be literate with online security, but even they can get duped. So you got to be extra careful. If you've got $69 million worth of stuff that can be stolen, don't mess around with that. I mean, I guess just an aside also, multi-factor authentication, do that in as many places as you can. I am unsure. My understanding of NFTs and crypto is that the way it's set up, there's not a possibility for a multi-factor authentication. You've got your one private key. You put that key into the transaction and that's your authorization for the transaction to go forward. There's not a nobody's going to send you a text that you have to enter a code to make sure it's you to move forward. At least not at this point. That's my understanding. Could be wrong, but in other places, anytime you can opt into multi-factor authentication, you need to do it. That's again, that's become basic online security measures. The other thing is pretexting. This is what happened when the guy lost his board ape yacht club tokens when the people showed up and said hey we're interested in buying your board ape yacht club stuff oh you're having some problems with your wallet well give us the the code to get in and we'll help you fix up that's pretexting somebody's showing up they're pretending to be somebody they aren't you got to make sure that you're not falling victim to that and the main thing that you do don't accept unsolicited help if somebody comes in and you don't know them and they say you've got a problem with your wallet or you think you have a problem with your wallet, go to a pro, go to a trusted uh, IT professional, an IT source that's separate even from where you identified the problem so that you can get help there. That'll help you prevent falling prey to pretexting. You also need secure and reliable storage of your private key. This is less fraud, more this. Caleb, I don't know if you remember this story, but I know there was somebody who didn't lose like an ungodly amount of Bitcoin, but just lost his password. So Mm. he couldn't get to his ungodly amount of Bitcoin. Did do you, does that ring a bell? That story? Yes, it. Yeah. Uh, it come, came from the UK, if I remember right, and uh, I believe he is digging through the dump, maybe as we speak, to find, uh, like, I don't know if it was a thumb drive or what, where he had his his crypto key. Yeah, his the key to his Bitcoin. Um, yeah, yeah, like two hundred seventy million dollars or something. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's that's, um, that's amazing. So, uh, so not so not so much fraud. But- but just risk management of yeah. your of your crypto assets, whether they're uh, crypto coins or cryptocurrency or NFTs. 
Another thing that came up is cold storage uh, uh, for NFTs versus an internet-connected hot wallet. If you do cold storage, you're basically taking your NFT, you're putting it basically on like a, a backup drive, and then you're unplugging that backup drive from the internet. So it's just sitting on a shelf till you need it, and then you plug it back in. Also known Not as, I think they're commonly known as hard wallets. Okay, yeah. yeah. Cold storage, hard wallets, yeah. Yep. And and a hot wallet is one where it's not like that. It's right. it's either like a cloud-based wallet or it's just a wallet that you maybe have on your local computer, but it's still not something that you can completely disconnect from the internet. So the cold storage, the the hard wallet, that's a much more secure thing. The give and take is it's not as convenient. So if you've got to trade things quickly, if there's like an opportunity you got to cash in on immediately, you might not be able to do that, but at least people aren't stealing your shit. And finally, there are insurance products that you can purchase to insure your crypto assets. Uh, Lloyd's of London does offer crypto wallet insurance. So you can find that. Interestingly enough, though, that would not be, that's not technically a way to prevent or detect fraud. That's just a way to mitigate the risk of fraud occurring, but it's something that you can do to help protect your, yeah, your crypto assets. Greg, that's an excellent rundown, man. Thank you. Yeah. What do you think? Here's a question for you. There are obviously there are accounting firms that are that specialize in crypto, in in blockchain, in NFTs. You know, if if you're a firm who maybe has one or two clients that kind of dabble in this stuff, and I mean, is this something that you would expect more firms to pursue, like niches into this area, or do you think like it's going to be the the NFTs and, 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 and blockchain and crypto, this is going to be like the mother of all niches when it comes to accounting firms. I'm just curious as how you see that evolving. The way I see crypto accounting as a niche, which that's the proper way to pronounce the word, I see it being very niche, but very lucrative for the firms that get into it, which is mm -hmm. how which is how a niche is supposed to work. If you become because this is this is obviously very very complicated yeah. stuff and and we haven't even gotten we haven't even touched oh, the complexities the surface. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, well, and even other areas. If you're talking about tax compliance with cryptocurrency, you're in a whole new area that most people don't even want to touch. So if you get that specialized knowledge, there's a a very significant and a very wealthy community of people who need your help. So it's a wonderful niche to get into, but again, you're not talking about a huge, uh, a huge community that needs those services. So there, there's room for a select few of firms to get in early and to establish themselves as experts in the crypto, including NFT market, to serve clients uh, with accounting with the accounting services that those that those people need. Excellent. Any, and yes, yes. I have Greg? one. I have one last thing oh. that I learned from this podcast. Oh, yes, please share. Uh, NFTs are are total bullshit, and you're not buying anything. And a hundred percent don't invest in it because you're not. There's some people who will make a lot of money really quickly. Rank and file people. It's snake oil, and it's a. It's not just snake oil. It's a snake oil bubble and. 
my prediction is that the vast majority of people are going to get left holding the bag and being out of a lot of money because they thought NFT was uh, really cool. That said, the company that's looking at my comedy show, Comedy Church, it's 100% going to pay off in the long run and you shouldn't give up. You need to gobble up as many content creators as you can right now and pay them handsomely for what they create. Okay, Caleb, before we wrap up this podcast, I do need to say, make one point of clarification uh, that came to mind that was brought up about what we said earlier. And just because I know that there's crypto bros who are losing their goddamn minds because uh, because we weren't specific enough about this. But yeah, the the actual, whoever, there's a public blockchain and to an extent we know who who is the owner of any particular crypto asset, but we only know the identity of that person or group to the extent that they've allowed their identity to be known on the internet. So on the blockchain, you might just know that a that the fucking Beeple uh, collage is owned by crypto user 90210 or something like that and you don't know who so yeah i get it so there there we do know publicly who owns it but we don't really unless they're doxxed or they out themselves we don't know exactly who that pe- person is so we we get that so uh, relax crypto enthusiasts who are very disappointed in us it's okay. And like we said before, this isn't a doctoral dissertation on NFTs. This is a very high level look at what's going on and hopefully how it, how it relates back to the accounting profession. All right. That's it for this episode. <laughs> Don't trust anyone who has the handle includes evil. And also remember that NFTs are a horrible investment. They're a hundred percent bullshit and Please don't hesitate to purchase the Comedy Church NFT available soon on Ethereum. Hey, Caleb, uh, if people want to reach out to you and and vent their hate, how can they find you on the internet? Yeah, uh, at C. Newquist on Twitter, Caleb Newquist on LinkedIn. Bring it on. And Greg, where about you? Where are you hanging out? Twitter, I'm at Greg Kite and LinkedIn. Great. I think I'm Greg Kite, comma, CPA, bald guy, beard, glasses, and a shirt and tie. That's me. You'll find me. So that's it. Oh, My Fraud is written by me, Caleb Nuquist, and Greg Kite. Our producer is Blake Oliver. Music supervision, sound design, editing, and mixing by Zach Frank. If you like the show, leave us a review or share it with a friend. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Join us next time for more avarice, swindlers, and scams from stories that will make you say, you damn dirty bored apes! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my fraud. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something new. And if you did, wouldn't it be nice to get some CPE credit for it? Well, I've got great news. My new app, Earmark CPE, offers free NASPA-approved CPE credits for listening to podcasts, including this one. Visit earmarkcpe.com to download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. That's earmarkcpe.com.